So my friends, uh, today in our first reading, we get a little bit of the Samuel saga uh, from the beginning of the first book of Samuel, uh, the uh, escapades of King Saul and King David. And what we get here is a very particular section uh, in this first book of Samuel. A little backstory here. Uh, the book of Samuel begins with Samuel being appointed a judge of the Lord. Samuel is the last of the judges who ruled Israel or guided Israel before the time of the king. And the Israelites are saying, we want a king. And basically the Lord, through the judges, says, you don't need a king, you have me. Right? We are Israel. Who's meant to be the king of Israel? God. God himself is the king of Israel. And so the Lord says through these judges, they're just meant to judge. They're not the kings. Um, But Israel's like, nope, we want a king. And so the Lord relents, and he has Samuel anoint Saul. And Saul is described as head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. Saul was the most beautiful man in all of Israel, they say. Um, He also, though, if you read the book, he wasn't too bright. Um, But whatever. They got the king that they wanted, and they're all excited. Here's the problem with Saul. He may be very tall, and he may be very beautiful, but he has no confidence in himself as the Lord's anointed. Saul suffers with terrible lack of self-confidence as a king. He's always second-guessing himself. He's always, um, it's always described in the book of Samuel, a dark spirit was on Saul. He's so self-conscious as king, and this leads him to um, try to be a people pleaser, right? And so what happens is, in this, Saul ends up trying to please people who are doing things that are not good in the sight of God. Saul ends up not trusting in, in himself as the Lord's anointed, not trusting in God above all. He ends up consulting, um, like, the witch of Endor, and he just, he's not doing what he's supposed to do, and at a certain point, God rejects him as king. This is not how the king is supposed to be, and Saul is rejected as king, and God then sends Samuel out to anoint the shepherd boy, David, and David is anointed king. Uh, So now you got two anointed kings in Israel, and David is really good, right? We know the story, David and Goliath, right? He kills the giant Goliath when nobody, not even Saul, would go out and fight him, and then, you know, in all these battles, they say that David, you know, when they, Saul and David, it says in the book of Samuel, when they came back into the city, the people would be singing, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And for a king, King Saul, who's already self-conscious, that drove him crazy. And so what does he try to do? He tries to kill David. He tries a number of times to kill David. David's there playing the harp, trying to, you know, um, get Saul to just chill out a little uh, when he's in a bad mood. And Saul tries to throw a spear and pin him to the wall, right? And David runs away. Um, And now this is where we get this particular section. Because now David is running away. David's like the superstar of Israel, but Saul's the king. And so David runs away. He goes into exile and Saul is chasing him. And so as we hear, Saul went down into the desert of Ziph. He's chasing David. And that night when everyone was asleep, David and Abishai, his kind of right-hand man, they sneak into Saul's camp. And there's Saul. There's this guy that's trying to kill David in cold blood, sound asleep, with a spear right next to his head. And 
you know what? If David would have at that time, at that moment, assassinated King Saul, he probably would have been called a hero. He would have been the king immediately. He would have ascended to the fullness of the throne. And it would have, people would have applauded him. And David doesn't do it. Because David is a man of faith. David is a man of faith. And so he judges by a different standard. Not just the worldly or political standard. No, David judges by the divine standard. David doesn't kill... You know, there's another time David has the opportunity to kill Saul. This time, instead of David sneaking to Saul's camp, David and his men are hiding in a cave. And uh, they're, they're just there, they're hiding. And Saul is wandering by, takes a break off from his army, and he goes into the cave. The scriptures tell us to use the bathroom. Right? And so there he is. And it's like, he wandered into our camp at this point. He's not even paying attention. He's otherwise preoccupied. So let's kill him now. Right? This is great. We should do that. And David says, no, we don't do this. Who am I to harm the Lord's anointed? David has a bigger picture. He has a bigger vision. He doesn't judge just based on earthly things. As a man of faith, he recognizes there's more than this world. And there's more than earthly judgments. We, as people of faith, likewise need that. We need to judge not on a human standard. We should be using a different ruler when we measure stuff. right? We should be using the ruler that takes into account not just this life, but all of eternity. That should be how we judge. That should be how we make decisions. Not just thinking about this life, but thinking about all of eternity. Right? And so when we choose to do good actions, even though they're difficult, coming out to Mass on a dark, cold, rainy Sunday night, right? But we're going to be here when we'd rather be at home cooking chicken soup. Like, fine. Why? Because it's earthly wisdom? No. Because we use a ruler that accounts for all of eternity. And we come to worship the true God as Christians every week on Sunday. It's what we do. We use that ruler that takes into account everlasting consequences. Similarly, when we don't do some bad action, right? If I could sin and get away with it and no one would ever know, I shouldn't because I use the measure that takes into account eternity. And God knows. God would still know. At the end of this life, each of us will be in one of two places, right? And for all of eternity, we'll either spend all of eternity with God in heaven, or, as we heard last week in the Gospel, what we take for ourselves in this world will be the fullness of our reward. And that we will be um, condemned to hell for all of eternity with that emptiness and that loneliness, that separation from God. There's only two places we can end, and as Christians, we should see that. And so when I don't sin, when I choose to not sin, it's just because I think I'm going to get caught. Or it's not just because I think um, what other people would think of me. No. Rather, I want to go to heaven at the end of my life and not anywhere else. And so I'm not going to commit these actions, even though I could get away with it. You know, when I was in high school... Um, in the men's locker room, there was a sign on the you know, coach's window or whatever it was uh, that said, integrity is who you are when no one is looking. Integrity is who you are 
when no one is looking. We need to be a people of integrity. We need to be a people who do the right thing, even when no one notices, when no one's watching, when no one would find out. We do the right thing as Christians because we use a different ruler. We use a different set of measurements that take into account all of eternity. Everything we do should have that measure in mind. This is what our Lord says in the Gospel. You know, all of the Lord's commands here in the Gospel, this is still from the 6th chapter of Luke, it's his Sermon on the Plain. Like, yeah, if this world is all there is, you shouldn't love your enemies, right? They're pretty much doing pretty bad things to you. And we don't just love our enemies hoping that they'll get better in this life. They probably won't. They're probably still going to hate us in this world. But, but we know that there's heaven. When I pray for those who persecute me, it's because I want them to go to heaven too. I want even those who persecute me to be in heaven. And so I pray for them. Not, I, I hope that they can change their ways while they're alive, but if they won't, I pray that they too would receive the mercy of God. We never want an everlasting punishment for even the worst persecutor. Our Lord gave us that example on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If Jesus can do that, how much more should we? When we act as Christians, everything our Lord tells us in the gospel today, we do it with our eyes toward heaven. Our actions have eternal repercussions, either for good or for bad. Every single action, every single minute of every single day. As Christians, we use the ruler that takes into account all of eternity. And so today, following the counsels of our Lord, following the example of King David, the man of faith, we ask our Lord to help us to see all things with the view of our eternal consequences in always in the front of our mind. So all we do can help lead us to heaven. And that all those things which would keep us from heaven, we can confidently reject. That we can follow our Lord faithfully so that we can hope to enjoy with him forever the glories of the kingdom of heaven.